Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Firmamental Podcast. We are back again with a very special guest part two with John Kerwin. Uh, you guys really love the first episode because it shot to number one of all time on our playlist. So uh, he's back again, the author of the book, The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. But today we're going to be bringing some some different content than we brought the last time. Uh, folks, we're going to be talking clones, trannies, and the Mandela effect. And even is there possible changes happening in the Bible? Well, this is a very heated subject and nothing uh, to be tread upon lightly. So um, we're going to get into it, you know, and I might play, I never say devil's advocate, but I might play God's advocate in this one. And, uh, you know, we'll see where this goes, but we're always down to, you know, to let people that are doing this research and doing this groundwork. And, uh, you know, we say we got open minds. So let's hear what uh, uh, Mr. Kerwin has to say on this subject and let's open our minds and open our hearts and uh, let our discernment work and and see where this goes. But uh, yeah, we're glad to have him with us. Uh, Real quick, I did want to remind you guys, you can go and check out the website, thefermentalpodcast.com. Uh, we do have a speak pipe messages message system in there now. So you can go ahead and leave a voicemail that we could play on the show. We could take questions. You want to leave a review. You just want to give it, give us a big shout out. Uh, you want to ask us to bring anything new into the show, any new, uh, subject matter or anything that you think can make the show more dynamic. We want to hear what you have to say, and we want to get more interactive with you folks out there. So go ahead and shoot us some speak pipe messages and you might just hear your voice get played on the show. Uh, also you find value in the show. There will be a link to the cash app. Uh, we don't, we're not monetized. I'm not going after advertisements. I'm not doing any, any of that. Uh, you know, you want to give a dollar, you want to give a hundred dollars. It's just whatever contribute to the show. We'll use it to grow the show. Um, we have things planned coming down the line and we really want to grow this thing and we appreciate you guys. And if anything, just rate, share and subscribe with all your friends. And thank you for mentalists out there for all the love. We will be doing a show coming up here soon where we will be reading some fantastic reviews and emails that we got from you guys. And we will always be down to take your questions. And even if you leave us a bad review, I will still read those ones too because I can take criticism, man. I got thick skin. We wouldn't be in this line of work if we didn't have thick skin. So with no further ado, let's get in tonight, into tonight's episode. Uh, welcome back, Mr. John Kerwin. All right. Hey guys, great to be here. I feel like family, and uh, mm. I'm really uh, grateful for the opportunity to touch on the subject because it is very polarized. And I I'm going to reassure a lot of believers tonight about this topic because I've been basically doing this for seven years now. This is my life, and I'm a believer. I I've been in full time ministry in New York for eleven years and lay ministry for another twenty years. Uh, I love God. I love Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I had worship this morning with God. And, you know, so I'm not a, like an atheist with a chip on his shoulder. I'm not a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm just one of probably millions of people now, at least hundreds of thousands of Bible believers that are claiming this event is is really happening. And the the things that are changing in our environment include the Bible. And I know that's a doctrinal atom bomb, but we're going to get into it tonight, and you're going to find out some things that maybe you weren't aware of. 
Fantastic. And that's what we want to get into. That's what, and I think that's where we want to start. You know, we'll start with the hard stuff and then we'll, we'll end out the episode with some of the more lighthearted stuff that we might be able to crack some jokes on. But, uh, yeah. why don't you go ahead and just get into what you got for us, man? All right. Well, of course, so a, a description of what we're talking about would probably prudent. So the, for those that maybe are, are new to this concept of the Mandela effect, it's essentially a, a recent phenomenon of you know thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people claiming that they're having an experience that they've never had before in their entire life i certainly haven't and what this experience is like is you wake up and you find out that things that you have vivid memories about no longer exist as they have existed and you know, when it first comes across your desk, you're like, you know, well, that's weird. And then you see another one and another one, and then there's other ones in other categories. And then you find out that there's thousands of channels on all the different platforms talking about it. And you go, what? So you go in there and you see people like me who are dedicating their lives to covering this topic and you they have tons of examples and you see one and you see another and then you a lot of us have you know memories that are strong but they're not super strong but they we call it an anchor memory you'll see one and you'll be like no way no way for me the first one that really hit me between the eyes was the monopoly guy <laughs> okay because I played Monopoly my entire life, and that dude had a monocle. I don't care what you tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The dude had a monocle, period, okay? And then and then there's millions of people who also are as, as adamant about it as I am. Well, that's, that's empirical evidence as well, right? So in other words, if it was just me waving my hands out here saying, hey, something weird is happening, <laughs> you know, it would be easy to dismiss me. But this is millions, and I'm not exaggerating. I've researched how many people believe this. I've reached out to other people. When I looked at it first time, I found five different YouTube channels alone that were primarily Christian, who each one had 100,000 subscribers that were covering the Mandela Effect almost exclusively. Well, there's 500,000 people. Maybe some of them subscribe to the same channels, but anyway... This is not a few crazy people in their mom's basement and this is being amplified by the internet. Please, please do your homework before you let those words come out of your mouth because it's total nonsense. The mullahs in Iran are are announcing it. So you got pretty much all the Iranians believe it. I don't know how many Iranians there are. It's not 12. Okay, I am 5,123 subscribers and about 150 new subscribers a month, most of them are Christian. Well, what's all the commotion about? What are we all worked up about? Okay, so, and now my new friend is uh, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Paul Grafton Holt, who is a biblical theologian. He's written 12 academic theological books. And one of them is called The King James Bible and the Quantum Effect. So another baseless accusation, which is hurled at us, is that we're biblically illiterate. We're just confused. Well, 
I don't think you could say that about my good friend, Paul Grafton Holt, which I, who I interviewed on my channel. You can go there and see his interview. He also signed my affidavit, my affidavit of truth, where he is testifying under oath, under penalty of perjury, that he is testifying that this Mandela effect or quantum effect is a supernatural phenomenon, and it is most certainly includes the Bible. It's changing the Bible for the worse. This is not a happy thing. This is a doctrinal atom bomb. And, you know, on that note, um, I don't have any credentials, okay? I'm not, I'm completely undocumented. And, and there's a scripture, though, in the New Testament where it says that they noticed that the apostles were unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. So that's my bio, okay? I was born again in 1983 in a little church in Newark, New Jersey. Pastor Green preached on Romans 6. I jumped over the pew. And I gave my heart to Jesus. Okay? And then, and I'm still here 40 years later, walking with the King of Glory. Well, what I'm here to tell you is that <laughs> when I went into full-time ministry about a year later, I ended up at David Wilkerson's church in New York, and I ended up being the youth pastor and the worship leader for 11 years. And during that incubation period, I studied the Bible probably between three and five hours a day for 10 years. And I was also in three services a week with some of the top preaching in the world. Three services a week. Two, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Four services a week. There was three on Sunday and one on Wednesday. Four services a week for 10 years and never missed a service. That's a lot of church. That's a lot of Bible, okay? And then another 20 years after that in lay ministry. So I've been not in the church, I've been on the platform in the church. So, all that to say that if you tell me that the Bible now teaches that God's people can sacrifice turtles in the King James Bible in Leviticus 12.8, I'm going to have to take issue with that, okay? Because it does say that. And, and what that means to me is if there was turtles being sacrificed by God's people, I would have known about it. And the idea that I'm befuddled and confused and somehow miss that is patently ridiculous. And so what I want to try to do is lay the groundwork for people to be able to embrace this and, and actually explain that I'm not here to convince anybody that the Bible's changing. What I'm going to show with simple hypothetical questions is that the testimony of the unconvinced is disingenuous. Okay, let me explain what I mean. Because once I do that, our testimony can then be entered into the court of public opinion, and you can receive our testimony. As it's written, let all things be established in the mouth of two or more witnesses. So the unconvinced argument that the Bible is not changing rests on two pillars. Okay, the first is that the Bible can't change. They're taking scriptures like, thy word is forever settled in heaven, and they're conflating that to mean that the Bible can't change. That, it, In other words, that it couldn't be susceptible to a supernatural external attack like the Mandela effect. It's patently ridiculous. It's inspired by God. God, the devil doesn't have that much power. All these, all these 
arguments <clears throat> are based on this idea that the Bible teaches that it can't change. But I've now asked three pastors, do you believe that the term Scripture and the term Word of God mean the same thing? And I'm here to tell you that they had, from their reaction, it had never crossed their mind. They were stunned and they were silent for about 10 seconds, and then they started stumbling out an answer to try to sound like they knew what they were talking about, but it had never, I've proven this now to myself, it had never dawned on them that, that they were conflating this, the phrase, Word of God, and the term Scripture. And I'm here to tell you that they're not the same thing. The Scripture is more like a cup which holds the words of God. It's the writings. But the words of God are like when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. That's probably the clearest picture that we have of the Word of God. Yes. Bro. Wait, you're muted. I can't hear you. Sorry. Yes. Um, thank you for pointing that out. Yes, I had to blow my nose and I forgot I muted myself. So thank you for pointing that out. No, but uh, so I, 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 I can see where you're going with this. And I, I understand the difference that you're making between scripture and word. But, you know, Jesus said himself, right? The, or they said the word became flesh. John 1, 14, right? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth, right? So Jesus himself calling himself the word, right? Yep. So how would you explain that? Like the difference between word and scripture there when he's being specific about the word was with God from the beginning of time, right? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God yeah. and the word was God. Yeah, you're making my point. If you try to if you try to put the term scripture in that same passage, it falls to the ground. In the beginning was the was the scripture and the scripture was with God and the scripture was God. Does that sound right to you? No. No, because they're not the same thing. So what does it mean when John tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let me unpack this, okay? Because this is there's another passage in Revelation that speaks about Jesus being the Word, but this one is really the main one. All right, so you have the you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are revealed as the Trinity. That's an orthodox doctrine that it's one God. God says in throughout the Old Testament. I am God, and that besides me, there is no other. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses will try to tell you that it's a freaky doctrine. There's no such thing as a three-headed God. That's just mortal man with his little peanut brain trying to understand this God that we serve. He is one God, but he has an expression of three personalities. We don't really understand it, but we do see that the Bible seems to indicate that that's how he rolls, okay? So that's all I can tell you on that one. All right, so here's God the Father. He sent Jesus. Jesus didn't volunteer. John, John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he sent. Okay, so you have God the Father sending the Son or the Word. God sending the Word. So what does that mean? Well, I was asking the Lord for revelation on this idea. What does this mean? It's so 
mystical, you know? And God reminded me that when Jesus was here, he, his narrative was, I do nothing unless I see the Father do it first. And then he said, in the garden, right? I really don't want to do this. However, not my will, but thine. So he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay, so what, what God showed me is when God sent the word down, right? Because verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word became flesh. That's Jesus. The, so the word became flesh means to some degree, I mean, this is not encapsulate the whole meaning of it, but one of the aspects of it is, what is the word? It is, it is, the, it is the will of the Father as expressed through Jesus Christ. Now that, that is immutable. That will not change. That is forever settled in heaven. Okay? The, 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 in, and in fact, I'll go further. Those directives, the guidance, the teaching, the threats that were given to the original authors in the original autographs are immutable, meaning they will come to pass and they will not change. So for instance, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It said, thou shalt not murder. Now it says thou shalt not kill, which is not the same thing. But it could say, thou shalt not eat ice cream cones. Does that mean that we're no longer uh, uh, in subjection to this law? No. The law is immutable. The laws as they were given are immutable, and we still are subject to them. But through this judgment, which was clearly prophesied by Amos chapter 8, verse 11, in the last days there will be a famine, not of bread, but of the word. Men will seek it and will not find it. What does that mean? The word will become inaccessible. Okay, so you have the pagan in the jungle of Borneo. He's never heard of Jesus. Do you believe that God is unjust because that man will live and die and will go to hell without Christ? Because that's what the Bible teaches. There is neither no name given under heaven by which men must be saved, the, main, the name Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. God turns the wicked into hell and all the nations that forget God. Don't tell me that that guy's going to heaven unless because he's, you know, a nice person. God turns the wicked into hell and all the nations that forget God. So all I'm telling you is if you are a literalist Bible believer like me, you believe that there's 2,000 living languages at this very moment that don't have a Bible in their name, and those people are in peril. Why? Because the words of God are inaccessible to them. Now, do you hold God in derision because of that? Do you think God is unjust because these people are, are, are disadvantaged? No. No theologian would hold God in derision saying he's unjust. It's free will. It's the mysteries of God. It's whatever you're going to, you know, you can go down that road for 20 years. What I'm saying is that, the, that this judgment, of it, which was clearly prophesied in Amos 8, verse 11, is the same principle. God is smashing this idol, which it's become an idol to a lot of believers, the Bible. Mm. It's, it's become a self-help book. It's become a control grid matrix that the church pastors are using to keep their people. You have to be in a church under authority. Mm. And they're like lawyers, chop, 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 just like control grid. And God's fed up 
and 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 we have pastors telling us, well, if the Bible's changing, how about we have faith to even believe Christ for salvation? And I'm like, hello, thief on the cross, come in over. Yeah, okay. And I, 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 you know what? You got me, you, you're getting me fired up here, and I see where you're going with this, Ooh. because actually, in, from the other episodes that I was listening to, I haven't quite grasped this, but the way you're speaking it now is I'm starting to understand what you're saying, and it's the same problems that I've had with the church in the past, is I feel like you get to know, first you give your life to Christ, right? And you and you ask him to come into your heart and truly be saved and truly repent for your sins and become a new creature, pick up your cross daily, follow him, you know, get to know his voice, get read the word, you know, have an intimate relationship with him, talk to him. And, and I believe God gives us all as believers personal revelation and he speaks to us in his own unique way, you know? And I've had things being a truth being a truther, right? That I've come to to re- to reveal, and I believe God's allowed me to see them or shown them to me because He wanted He wanted me to have this information because I asked for it, right? I asked God, I want to know what's behind this. Yes. When I had a UFO experience, I asked God, like, what was that? Like, show me. And over time, He's revealed to me what I believe to be the truth. Okay. Now, so I understand what you're saying, and I look at the the Word of God. It, it's a living, the right. The Bible is a living book that's still playing out, right? Yes, like it's alive right now. So I see where you're going with this. It, it, the The Word is infallible, right? Like Jesus said unto them in John eight five eight, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah, and 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 so like in the beginning when God created before he created the sun, right? It said he created the light. The light was already with him, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and Jesus was the light of the world. So literally, he was with the Father from the beginning of time. So when he created, I used to think that when he talked about uh, created man in our image, he was speaking to the holy host of angels. But then you go and you read books like Ezekiel or Elijah or even uncanonized scriptures like like Enoch, and then you're like, hold up, hold up, Ali- uh, or aliens, <laughs> uh, angels look nothing like human beings. Like th- from all their descriptions, they they do not, and their abilities are far beyond human capabilities, right? right? So who was he speaking to? He wasn't speaking to the angels. He was speaking, I got this revelation recently. He was speaking to Jesus because Jesus was there with him in the very beginning because he knew he was going to send Jesus into the world as a man. So that's... That was the light of the world was with the father. The light was God. Light was word. That was Jesus, right? So I get what you're saying. And, and we know Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the three-headed dogma is living. Yeah. So if 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 they want to tie it to that, that it can't uh, adapt, I guess you would say, would be a word to use. I don't know. I'm not the smartest guy out here. But like things are playing out and I see where you're going with this in a way and I'm going to give it back to you. But this is just me getting fired up. But I think about it, what you're saying now. And I see where you're saying, though, because they have turned the the, the church into this control group and they and they turned uh, church into this feel good doctrine. And they're not getting people prepared for the spiritual war that we're in. And there's a look at our world's upside down. I mean, things have become so perverse and it's apparent to guys like us who are seeking the truth. And people who are asking these questions, and there's other people that are be like, oh, well, you know, I got a nice house. I got a nice car. I got food in my fridge. I got fancy clothes. You know, who who needs God? And guys like us are like, you know, they'll tell me, oh, 
you know, Christianity's a crutch. And I'm like, well, if Christianity's a crutch, well, then give me two, brother. Yeah, I need a stretcher. <laughs> yeah, you know? So I don't know, man. That's what I see. But I see where you're going with this. But I had to bring that up, man. No, that's awesome. I mean, it's really uh, hard to have God mess with your theology, but he does do that. So these scriptures that they're looking at are Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So does that really teach us that the Bible couldn't be subject to an external attack where it's you know, magically changing, okay? Uh, if you... If you look into this idea between the difference between the two words, Scripture and the Word, then it's not saying that. It's talking about this express will of the Father as seen in Jesus Christ. And then though from Jesus Christ comes the express will of the Father out to the original authors that were recorded on parchments or whatever. And I believe that God preserved the words of the Lord throughout the generations. You know, it wasn't a perfect medium by any means, but it was sufficient for, I. you know, it worked for me. I got born again. I'm living for God. So, uh, uh, but, you know, it seems now that church leaders are so, like they've deified the Bible. They've institutionalized it. Like when Jesus said to the Pharisees, uh, Sabbath wasn't made for the man. Man was made for the Sabbath. Well, what I'm saying is the Bible wasn't made for man. Man was made for the Bible. No, I did that backwards. Man was not made for the Bible. The Bible was made for man. So I'm not, there, there has been an overemphasizing of Scripture, the role of Scripture in the walk of the believer. And the proof of that is the reaction that we're getting from church leaders when they are saying, how will we preach the gospel? How will we disciple? How can we get anybody saved? Well, how are, are the millions of Christians in persecuted countries that don't have a Bible do it when they're having revival? They have one, I've talked to missionaries, they have one page of the Bible, okay? Yeah. One page. And they're, and they're praising the dead, and they're winning their whole villages, and they're healing the sick. They're putting us to shame, okay? Yeah. So, you might want to re-examine your process of your congregational format and your Sunday service with, you know, two slow songs, you know, uh, greet the people, two slow songs, announcements, three medium, an offertory, and then four slow, and then, a, you know, 25 minute. Yeah. You get out by 1155. Please. I, I'm, with, I'm with you, John. Faith without works is dead, you know, and we're living in a time where, you know, uh, I felt this calling that uh, God's calling me to be a warrior for Christ. It's not uh, an easy calling, and I fall down all the time, and I have to pick myself up and dust myself off and, and, and keep going at it because I realize if I let my sin defeat me, and just like Christians nowadays, I get so upset with so many believers and even non-believers, but Christians specifically or evangelicals that say, I've talked to a lot of people that are like, I don't want to have children. This world is so screwed up. I don't even want to have kids. I don't blame. Just <laughs> I don't. Blame. Well, well, but 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 God said, "Go forth and and multiply, be fruitful." That's so true. he he commanded us to do these things. And if we give in to fear, you know, we need only fear God. We needed not to some succumb to our fears because that's the way they've exacerbated all this control. Over well, us I mean, because we said, said 
he said, woe to them that are with child in those days. Yeah, true. But uh, at the same time, though, I think that we need to understand that if you're denying somebody coming into this world, you could be de- denying somebody that God could have used in a powerful way. So in a way, if, the wor- if, if these people that worship Lucifer want to reduce our population and they want to do it by making everybody gay and you know, or changing their gender and confusing everybody with this nonsense and, you know, uh, poisoning us and sterilizing us. And Hey, if we make the conscious decision, like, I don't want this child, I'll just get rid of them. Or, you know, I just won't have kids at all. I'll go snip myself or a woman will have a surgery. Like then we're not doing what God commanded us to do. And we could be denying the world in existence that somebody that God could have used in a powerful way. And I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back to you now. So that's one thing that upsets me. And I'm with you, man. We need to we need to kick our butts in the gear and do this thing because you're right, man. These people in other places, they're they're performing miracles. And what are we over here doing? Just clapping our hands and singing the same prayers over and over again. And, you know, uh, no reach out ministry. Like I'm all about stepping out in faith, bro. I've been praying for people at work. And Sometimes it's not that I don't care how I'm received. I, I would never do it unless if so, somebody feels comfortable with it. But when I feel the spirit speaking to me to go pray for somebody, I don't say, oh, no. And I make up an excuse. You know what? I go up and I ask, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? You know, and it's amazing the way it's being received nowadays because people feel the, the the change in times. And I'm with you, man. The same thing with the Pharisees, right? They wanted to kill Jesus because he said for the words, I am. Yeah. Right. They knew the significance of his claim. Mm-hmm. And and the Pharisees were what I call the religious world now. Like you, you, your religion doesn't save you, bro. Jesus saves you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, back to you, man. <laughs> you can. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's let's try to try to help those that are listening and they're trying to evaluate if there's any validity to this. How do you determine if this is really happening? If you're new to it or you're not convinced. So I've been doing this for seven years. I probably have sat across the table from at least 30 pastors personally, and then I've I've talked to thousands. I've ministered to tens of thousands over the last seven years. So I've corresponded with directly with hundreds that have been divorced because they believe this. So there's a real fallout from the people around you and your church leaders. I have a, a new tab on my website, wakeuporelse.com. It's called Testimonies. And there's one on there where the girl was told, you're marked for separation. You have to leave the church until you repent of this evil. So that's why I do what I do. Because we're being marked as heretics and charlatans and deceivers and dividing the body of Christ. Okay, well, let's tap the brakes, okay? Because let's evaluate what we're saying and what the other side is saying, okay? What we're saying is that we're experiencing something that is absolutely unexplainable. We've never experienced before. We're adults. We know what we're saying. It's not misremembering. We don't know what it is, but it ain't misremembering, okay? Now, the other side their whole argument rests on two pillars. The first one is that the Bible can't change, which they're they're forcing scriptures into that interpretation, so we disagree. And secondly, they say, well, if the Bible can't change, then what the, the us, we, what we're saying can't be true. So it's a priori argument. They're coming to the table already saying it's impossible, so you, you can't be right. All right, so then 
However, they have to they have to explain away the mountains of empirical, anecdotal, and, and uh, testimonial evidence that we have, which to us is as obvious as the nose on our faces. So what they then do is they repeatedly, over and over, will tell you in a hundred different ways that the human memory is unreliable. That's what explains this whole phenomenon. Okay, but but here's my point. Do they really believe that? My observation, which I will now demonstrate for everybody listening, is they don't believe it. They're disingenuous. They're lying to themselves. And if they're listening tonight, after I go through these questions, if you don't publicly or privately repent, you become a liar because now you know you're lying. Okay? And I'm going to use either Raul or Alex. Let me use Alex as, a, as my guinea pig, okay? I'm going to ask you some very simple hypothetical questions. And again, I got tons of examples. We want to get to those, but believe me, it's a waste of time because a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Unless we deal with the underlying core belief that the memory is unreliable, then you can always, no matter how blatant and and overt the evidence is, you can always just chalk it up. I've sat with pastors almost every time and have them get 10 out of 10 simple Bible quiz questions incorrect. Hey, pastor, who laid down with the lamb? Well, the lion. Isaiah 11, 6, the wolf dwells with the lamb. And they go there, and you can see it on their face, shock and confusion. Okay, hey, pastor, fill this in for me, King James Bible. Judge not. Blank, he be judged. Well, judge not, uh, lest you be judged. And that scripture has never existed in the King James Bible or any other translation ever. How about this one, Pastor? It's Job chapter 1, and his wife is haranguing him to curse God, and he's telling her, the Lord blank, and the Lord blanks away. Let's see, King James, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, jeez. That is incorrect. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away is what is in the King James. And we're talking the Cambridge 1611, okay, dear soul? This is not a Bible modernization issue. And it is not a translation confusion issue. And it is certainly not a misquote from pop culture somehow overcoming all the influences of our Bible study, church attendance, all of our influences overcoming that and getting in our heads on 50 different scriptures, that is as irrational as a flying monkey, okay? So we go 10 out of 10 with the pastor. Well, that's that's an empirical observation that you cannot just brush aside because what happens if you, Alex, you were go to a Go to a pilot who has an exemplary record. This is your first hypothetical. Okay. Okay. He's now so good at flying that he has been, uh, become a trainer. And and uh, you're going to give him a simple quiz of 10 instrument questions. All he has to do is identify what the instrument is used for, right? Okay. And so now this is all these questions have one goal. They're to illustrate what Alex's opinion of the human memory is. That's it. Okay. 
So they're not irrelevant either. They're not erroneous or weird or, or, or waste of time. Let's get on to the changes. No, we'll go down to the changes and the biblical paradoxes, and what will happen at the end is we'll agree to disagree, and no, no one will be convinced. And so I refuse to do this this way anymore. The only way that I do this is on these terms. And then once we get through this memory issue, we get that cleared up, then your mind is opening now, right? Now you can maybe consider the evidence. All right, so in your opinion, if you were to give this quiz where they have to name what the instrument is for, how many do you think they'd get right? The pilots would probably get all of them right. I mean, it's okay. their job to know those things. You would think so, because if he couldn't, then he couldn't even be a pilot. All right. So, And then, of course, in these scenarios, this is a hypothetical. They're not on drugs. They don't have any mental illness. It's not a, a scam. Like you're not, There's no play, you know, you're not being played. And um, there's no mind control weapons being put on them. So everything's normal. All right. All right, so let's do a doctor. The doctor goes to med school for four years. He's practiced now for 20 years, or let's say 30 years, and now he's the chief of staff at the hospital, and you're going to come in and give him 10 simple anatomy quiz questions. Hey, doc, what do you call that thing on the outside of the body? It's your skin. What's the scientific name for that? Epidermis. Right. Okay, so out of 10 simple anatomy questions, how many do you think the doctor would get right? The doctor better get them all right. Thank you. Jordan fades back. Switch. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm going to take you to the next content expert, a man that's devoted his life to studying the Bible. He went to Bible college for four years, and now he's been in the ministry for 30 years. He studied this book. He's worn out Bibles. Now, I'm not going to—now, he's a King James-only pastor— and he's got a King James Bible. So if he gets them wrong, it's not because he's confused with other translations because he doesn't read other translations. You with me so far? Yeah, I'm with you. All right. And I'm not going to give him quiz questions out of the book of Ezekiel that's, you know, remote. This is going to be, you know, like judge not lest you be judged. And, uh, uh, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I mean, if he can't quote those from memory, something's wrong, right? Yeah. So, so how many do you think the pastor would get right if you give him basic 10 Bible quiz questions? Well, and he spent how many years studying? 30. 30. Preaching every Sunday, you know. Well, I'll give him a break. I'll say he's got to get 90%. He's got to get 9 out of 10. Right. And what we can, what I've done 30 times, now you could call me a liar, but you could do it yourself. So you can prove I'm not lying, is you can go in and stump him 10 out of 10. With simple stuff. Yeah. Oh, well. I'll give you examples in the end. I won't do it yet. i give you a few, but I'm telling you, 10 out of 10 is no problem. And I'll be like, hey, pastor, uh, is it your understanding that when Jesus made mud, he made spit out of the mud, right? And then he healed the guy. Do you have any recollection of him ever spitting right in a guy's eyes and healing him? Well, no. Okay, well, Mark, Mark 8.23 says this, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw it. I've done this three or four times. This is a new change. We haven't known about this one until just recently. What was that number? It's, it's Mark eight twenty three. So Jesus is spitting in people's faces now to heal them. But here's the thing. I asked this pastor that, and he was like, no, I've never heard of that before. I said, 
Pastor, how is it possible that you've you've been in the ministry for forty years and it never, it, it only today it's coming to your attention that Jesus actually spit right in a guy's face to heal him? How is that possible? He just was stunned. He had no answer. So these are the things that we're seeing, and we're like, um, I'm sorry, your doctrine is like it can't change, but. I believe that too, but until it started changing. And then I had to go back in and I had to re-examine with new set of eyes what I s- believed the Bible was actually teaching. Because we pretty much believed what's from the front of the room, not really the Bible. So we're being good breathes, okay? So that's right, a so pretty me- good example, but how, have you actually gone to scholars with this and asked them this? And and what what is their reaction when they get stumped by To me, this is something that's pretty simple. I mean, I'm not a scholar, but what is their reaction? Yeah, what is they, their reaction? What is their reaction? It's it's what chilling, example, right? It's 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 horrifying. That's what what it's like. Uh, in in several cases, I watched two different pastors get what we call the download. Oh wow! The download is an update. We're not sure exactly how this works, but. Uh, it's basically we're all jacked in like Google to this thing in the ether that can put, you know, uh, memories, false memories into your mind. And it has to do with your volition. If you're not yielded to the truth and you take, you'll follow the truth wherever you go, Second Thessalonians 2 s- speaks about a curse where God will send strong delusion for those who are willfully ignorant. So if you're confronted with this dichotomy, then you you are like, well, if I admit the Bible's changing, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm probably going to lose my pulpit, and I'm going to have to go sell insurance. So I'm going to pretend that I always believe this. And bam, right when they do that, I watch this one pastor. He, I go, hey, pastor, who laid down with the lamb? Do you remember in the Old Testament? And, they, and, and all of them do it like this. Oh, the lion. Like, it's self-evident. Like, the recall is like, Instant, right? Right, right? So I said, well, turn to Isaiah 11, 6. And he goes over there. Now, this this is what I witnessed, okay? He opens it up to 11, and he reads it out loud. And the wolf will do, the, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And, and then I go, you remembered lion, remember? And then he looked up at me, okay? And his eyes kind of glazed over, and his head tilted to the side a little bit. And he like shook his head a little bit, and then he goes like this: "Oh, you know, now that I think of it, I always remember being wolf." Bro, I have a question about that right there. Bro, that turned my blood to ice water, man. I've seen the download a couple times, but that one was the doozy. I'm telling you, <laughs> it, something came into him, and it just changed. It put a, a false memory, to, and, and he, you know, then for for him, it was always that way. We're short circuited. So, so I don't. I don't really remember uh, Isaiah eleven six wasn't the one that stuck out in my head. But if you would have asked me that question, I would say the lion as well. But when I think of that, I think of that really famous painting with the lion laying with the lamb. And I always thought that it was the representation of Jesus being the lion of Judah and also the lamb of God. So right, but what's your hope, point? Right? What's your point? Yeah, is that uh, I think that maybe when you're asking them that question, that's what that's what they're thinking of, or you're, you're asking them specifically about uh, Isaiah 11. Oh, yeah. No, we're asking him, what does the Bible say about, you know, who laid down with the lamb, not pictures. Mm. And we're not conflating or having implanted thoughts. 
This is this is again. Well, the, the guy. The, the Bible does. The Bible calls Jesus the Lion of Judah. References him as the Lion of Judah, and it references as the Lamb of God. Right. So, what if they're thinking of those as being the scriptures that you're asking about? And then what, they bring the picture in their head of the lion and the lamb. Right. They're not thinking so, of I, Isaiah eleven six. Okay. So That's, is is it possible that human beings can misremember and get have implanted thoughts? Yes. Okay. But that brings me to my next question. All right. Is it possible that you that that could have happened? Yes. But is it is it the norm or is it the exception? Okay, and here's how you know it's not the norm. You ready? Ready. Okay. You have a you have a couple that lives in suburbia and they've lived there for 20 years. And next door to them is a guy named Joe, and then two doors down is a guy named Jim. You with me so far? Yeah. Joe and Jim. Yep. You got a couple that lives in the in suburbia for 20 years, and their next door neighbor's name is Joe. All right, now multiply that times a hundred. So you got a hundred people in this case study. So there's a hundred different families in a hundred different neighborhoods. You with me? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a case study of a hundred different families, all living next door to Joe or, or a guy named Joe, right? Just to make it simple. All right. So in your opinion, how many of those hundred families would be misremembering the guy's name next door? In other words, they're they're having an implanted thought. They keep calling him Jim because there's a guy down the street named Jim, but his name's actually Joe. So out of the hundred. How many of them do you think are befuddled and confused like Raul was saying? They're just confused with, you know, the other guy down the street. What's your opinion? I'll say 15% would have a terrible memory like me. Okay, so 85% would, in your opinion, 85% would have a very high-functioning memory. So you have a very high esteem for the human memory, don't you? Based on that observation. If you live beside somebody for 20 years, you probably know their name pretty good. So I'm giving giving people the benefit of the doubt and say 15% would get it wrong still. Okay. So I've lived in my Bible for 40 years. So I can tell you if I open it to Jesus wept is my memory of the short description of the Bible. I can tell you with 100% accuracy or or 100% certainty, I mean, that if I open it up, it's going to say Jesus wept. I know my next door neighbor's name is Joe. I know it says Jesus wept. Both are at 100% certainty. Okay. Okay? So, but my point is, you, if you, and I do this with the people that are, you know, assigning me to the seventh circle of hell, they'll, they'll say 3%, 5%. But, but then they turn around and keep telling us that the reason this is happening, John, is because the human memory is so unreliable. Well, if that was true, why didn't you say 60 or 70%? Right, right. So you're being disingenuous to try to advance your position that you don't want this to be true. You have a pet doctrine that the Bible can't change. And so in order to keep that intact, you have to become a liar. I don't want you're that. a liar. I'm not calling you a liar. <laughs> I'm calling everybody out there that's telling me 20 times a day that, oh, I could clear this up for you, John. You're confusing the platter's peanut guy with the Monopoly guy. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that an opinion or is that a fact? Is that your is that your hypothesis? Or do you have any research to back up what you just the words that just came out of your mouth? That's an opinion. Because okay? yeah. I am not. Uh, uh, my response is no, I'm not. 
<laughs> and then you say, I, yes, think it, I, I think it's very important though, to, the, to point out though, too, when you're talking about this, you're talking about scholars that have studied this for 30 years, just like you would say, you would hope the doctor would know the na- anatomy 10 out of 10 times. He's not getting one of the things wrong or the pilot with one of his gauges, right? right. You're not talking about a guy who's just uh, recently saved and doesn't know the word that well and just knows exactly. the most popular scriptures. You're talking about somebody that this should just be concrete and you're proving it out to them right. that that what? And and they're like, no, it's this. And then they go and look and no, it's not. That's that's really what you're pointing out. Not somebody who's not, you know. Yep. Are those people yeah. receptive to this, John, or are they the worst? Like, are they the biggest short circuiters that just refuse to like acknowledge? Do you mean pastors and church leaders? These, well, anybody that's been in the Bible for forty years, you'd think they'd be no, rough. no, because my friend Doctor Grafton Holt, he's a Bible theologian, and uh, what happened with him is he heard a video like one of mine or somebody, and they were talking about this, and of course they're like, "Well, that's outrageous! I'm going to disprove that." So. But he, he, one of the things he heard was that the Lord's Prayer said debts and debtors. And he was like, that's not right. Forgive us our debts. It's forgive us our trespasses. Well, yeah. it's never said that in this yeah. time stream, in this reality, in any translation. So he goes to his wife and he tells his wife, now this is a guy that's written 12 books on theology. So you can't say he's biblically illiterate. That is, it's a non-issue anyway. Okay. It doesn't have a... Our biblical literacy has nothing to do with our ability to have a vivid memory, right? It's said of the apostles, they took notice that the apostles were unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. So my my uh, bio is irrelevant, okay? But uh, I'll just go along with it. All right, so this guy's a Bible theologian, and he goes to his wife and says, Honey, what's the Lord's Prayer? And she recites it. It's got other mistakes in it, too, or changes. And she goes, trespasses. So that's what her, she remembered. He's like, open your King James Bible. And sh- and it says debts. And she goes, oh, no, this is a Bible. This Bible's messed up. And she goes like this. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go up and get Grandma's Gutenberg in the attic. And I've heard people say this now about 50 times. This is what I call the Grandma's Gutenberg uh Principle. And say what scripture that is exactly in for people that would be. Uh, where is the Lord's Prayer? Can you look it up? Because it's just Google Lord's Prayer. It's like it's, um, I don't know. I don't want to guess. Matthew, right? It's in Matthew, Matthew. I don't want to guess. All right. So she goes yeah. up and she gets Grandma's Gutenberg. And of course, it has debts and debtors. And at that moment, my Bible theologian friend oh. goes like this. This is really happening. And that's 98% of all the people that have reluctantly conceded that the Bible is changing have not gotten it from, you know, our understanding of the Greek and Hebrew and all this stuff. Okay. It's relevant. It's relevant. I will confess 100% that I do agree with its trespasses and, and not debts. Okay. And I can use an example. So, uh, I'm from New Mexico. There's a lot of Hispanic people out here. The Catholicism is the most popular religion among the Hispanic people. And I just went to my uh, girls, had a 36-year-old cousin that passed away, and we went to his rosary for his funeral. And everybody stood up and said the Lord's Prayer. And everybody, there was hundreds of people in that yep. church. Everybody said, 
forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I wish I could have just stopped the service and say, okay, let's look at our Bibles and see if that's what it says. And you're going to tell me if we'd go look at the pages that were sitting in the pews that say debts and debtors or that's crazy, bro. That is insane. It is insane. And uh, (laughs) let me just pull up the Bible hub just to confirm for us here. uh, Bible hub, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 is where it starts. It says in my Bible, debts and debtors, it's trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. This is like, yeah. yes. It's yeah, you're supposed you, to be you, happening live, John. You're not supposed to do this to me live. This is crazy. All right, so there's actually a few changes. I'll, re- I'll read, uh, let me go to King James. Uh, I'm getting to my too. I'm going in my Lord's Prayer. Did you just say this stuff wrong when we were kids? Like, Did it teach us wrong? No, I'm going to get to that in a second. That's oh called the God. telephone game. Don't, oh don't let me goodness. forget to, to address the concept of the telephone game, which is the only uh, thing that's left once I paint you into a corner. Okay, is you're going to try to you're going to try to proffer the ridiculous, irrational suggestion that the reason that all of not just Christendom, okay, all of humanity is saying the Lord's Prayer incorrectly and 50 other scriptures, okay, is because somebody 50 years ago misquoted it. And then somehow it got repeated through pop culture. If I hear the term pop culture one more time, I'm going to scream, okay? So so, uh, now that, that in this, this scenario has somehow been able to overcome the following. I read my Bible every day. I read a daily devotional. Oswald Chambers, uh, my utmost for his highest, okay? I listen to <laughs> preachers preach on the Bible. I memorize the Bible. What book do you memorize? I mean, you don't really memorize a book except the Bible, all right? And then I go listen to people speak about the Bible, and then I talk to you guys about the Bible. And so the all and these these influences are taking place daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, decades. Now I'm 40 years into compounding that influence on a regular basis, and you're going to sit there and lecture me about how ridiculous my memory is. It's so unreliable. I'm like bumping into walls. I can't remember my times tables. It's like humanity. If we were to take the opinions of the unconvinced, it would be as though the humanity is born with low-level dementia. That's the, the, the picture they're painting, okay? And on this little misquote, is somehow able to overcome all of those influences with not just one person, but the entire world. So, so I would like to ask the unconvinced this, who misquoted it? Or, or is this just a Hail Mary guess that you're making? Do you have any research that you can provide us where you name the person that misquoted it, and then you have some sort of um, social media company or somebody that can go out into all of the archives and document how it was repeated often enough for us to have this influence big enough to overcome all of our Bible study and all that. And then what this actually presumes is that we're so worldly and we're so embaptized in in the world that we're not paying attention to the Bible or anything, which is a very common argument, by the way. They, They tell us we're all biblically literate. We don't read our Bibles anymore and you don't know the Bible. Who are you? You're just a lowly peon. I'm a pastor with a PhD in doctrine and stuff. I'm serious. That's how they come at us. And we're like, so? 
I think all your knowledge has puffed you up and you're impervious to reality, you know? So, so this is a patently ridiculous, irrational idea. The telephone game, please, please repent. But, but John, all right. Like I had to say the Lord's prayer every day in school back, back in the day Yes. before they got rid of it. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, maybe they just took it from a different Bible than this one. But is like every version like this, like I got the King James open right now. Yeah, I got the King James. Right, so it's verse twelve that we want. Let me go to the parallel. Okay. For me, it's um, what's crazy. I was just I was just gonna ask John if there's any red letter words like is has Jesus's words been changed? But that's right, crazy. Let, let me just answer Alex. All right. So New International is debts. Uh, New English Standard is debts. Berean Standard Bible is debts. Berean Literal Bible is debts. King James is debts. New King James is debts. New American Standard is debts. NASB is debts. Legacy Standard Bible debts, 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 debts. Wow. And now this is this is a good jumping off point. This is where it gets really wiggy. Okay, so fact, buckle your seatbelts because let me explain what we see when this event happens. Okay, so there's a consensus within those of us that have reluctantly conceded that this is taking place. All right, so we all see trespasses waved bye-bye and now it's debts okay and so you think well when was it trespasses was it like 10 years ago like if you go back to uh 2010 in the archives would it have said no no what what this phenomenon is so exotic that it actually is another timeline so in other words it's always been debts all the way back to the scrolls okay in this timeline or this reality or this consciousness or wherever we are now, it's always been death. So one of the arguments that I hear from the unconvinced is, oh, well, look, John, you can go and see Matthew Henry from whatever, 1500s in the commentary, and he's talking about death. See, that proves that it's always been deaths. But see, they don't understand how exotic this is, and it's actually spelled out for us in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 25, that the Antichrist would seek to change times and laws. Times is the time-space-time continuum. He's going to mess with time, and he's going to change okay. the Bible. I have to I have to come in here, and, and yeah. because I, I was just reading that, and, and it, I don't remember what translation of the Bible. It wasn't the one that I have with me. It was one that I picked up at church, but I read that, 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 that passage the other day, and it said something about attempt to change time and laws, and I wanted to say, like, um, I think God is the reason why he's God is because he exists out of outside of time. Right. Time is only relevant to our flesh and our existence. Right. We're in a physical body. So we're subjected to time. Like I'm born into this world. I'm a baby. I will get old. I will age. And, you know, because you're under the constructs of time. So God isn't God if he exists in inside of time. Right. He's outside of time. That's what makes him God. So I think of the devil, and I, I, I this is me. I, I don't think the devil can change physical time, but what he could change is like a calendar, right? So like, there's the real timeline of Jesus' birth, and there's the real timeline of these biblical events. But they went in and changed the scripture, not the word, but the scripture. You know, so you get what I'm getting at here. Like the well, devil can't change physical time, but he could change the calendar because if he could change time, then he would be God. So I, I but I think he can change the calendar. So maybe he didn't change the word because he can't change Jesus and Jesus is the word, but he can go change 
scriptures. All right, but respectfully, it, I don't go by I think I know. I go by chapter verse. So you're saying he can't change time, but I'm going to read Daniel 7.25 for you, which says that he absolutely can change time. And you also have uh, the testimony of the sundial going backwards 10 minutes. So apparently time can be fiddled with. And um, Daniel 7, give me one second here. All right, 25. It goes like this. And the ten horns of the kingdoms are the ten kings that shall arise. Blah, 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 blah. All right, so and, all right, so and this is definitely, there's no debate. This is a future prophecy a prophecy of the end days. And uh, this, when it says he, it's talking about the beast or the antichrist, you know, the bad guys, okay? It says, and he shall speak great words against the most high. Well, that's what's happening. Because now in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, it says that Jesus has paps. Well, if you look that up in the original, that's the word mastos in the original which I'm sorry, is female breasts. The word stethos is male breasts, or male breasts, and that's the word that's used every other incident, like when the one that Jesus loved laid on his breast, stethos. But when it says paps, it's female breasts. Okay, so you have glaring biblical paradoxes. When I asked the pastor, why is this stethos, or, or mastos, he couldn't say, well, you don't understand the original language, John, because you're a peon. Let me explain it to you. He couldn't do that because the original language says female breasts. So you know what he said? Well, the concordance was written by one man, and he's been proven to be unreliable. I'm like, you're going to go there. Uh, <laughs> you're going to go okay. there. Okay. All right, wait, wait, okay, wait. Let, so let, me give you the, let me give you the what this time issue is, though. So he goes, he's going to speak great words against the Most High, He's going to wear out the saints, that's definitely happened, and think to change times, not calendars. There's a different word for calendars. This is chronos. This is space-time, bro. This is supernatural, fantastical stuff that we're reading. But it says think. It says think to change well, time, not he will. In, my, in mine, it says it intends. Yes, so what we believe, the, what we believe that is telling us is that his... His efforts will not be flawless. Only God does all things well. And so this is why we see things like the residual evidence, where not all of the things are changed over. You can go back into the data sphere, and you can find old, old sermon notes from the 1890s where it says trans, transgressions. Like, forgive us our transgressions. No, what is it? I'm, uh, trespasses. Trespasses, thank you. So you'll find residual evidences in the data sphere from the other time stream. I have one myself from a, a video that I did when uh, there was flip flops, um, which I gotta go. I gotta cover flip flops. But let me finish the, with the memory thing because the memory thing is the key. And I'm gonna give you my most. I I, I did want to say something about okay. the breast thing though because yeah. because now this is crazy to me and I understand like I gotta look look I gotta look into this further but you know when i think about men at with with breasts i think about like the image of like baphomet right exactly it's like a man with with tits okay yeah and obviously christ jesus christ does not have i'm not even oh no, it's an abomination it yeah it's an abomination it's an abomination dude to even think that 
But what I was going to say, like when it talks about what is the original translation going back to the Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek or whatever, I'm not a Bible scholar, but like the Bible will talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, does it to refer to it as a man's chest or does it refer to it as a female's chest or is there just a generic word? Well, it's what I said. It's too, it's, it's very clear. The, the, the translators uh, the original manuscripts, which is what the concordance is telling you, the concordance is a dictionary. And the dictionary definition of paps, okay, the word is paps. That's what's written in the Bible, all the way back to the 1611 Cambridge. Paps. Revelation 1.13. What does paps mean? Go to the dictionary. It means female breasts. Now, why, why does it not say stethos? You would have to say, well, it's a bad translation. Okay, well, I get that about, I could have you tell me that 20 times. Why Why does 2 Corinthians 11.8 say, Paul says, I robbed other churches taking wages of them. But going back to the breast thing, there's correlations now where we're seeing themes coming up. So you have Jesus pictured as Baphomet or with female breasts, but then you also have, um, in your recollection, did God ever condone the sacrifice of female sheep. Does that ring a bell? No. No. Me neither. And neither would a hundred pastors tell you, no, there's no such thing as sacrificing female sheep. Well, this is in all translations. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 32. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Now, if that doesn't knock you off your chair, then you're bewitched. If you know your Bible and you can't be just gobsmacked by what I just read, then you are bewitched. How about this one? Luke 18, 15. Do you remember them bringing children to Jesus so that he could bless them? Yes. And they brought children unto him, right? So that yes. he could bless them. Do you ever remember them bringing infants to Jesus so that he could touch them? Uh, I mean, how about the listeners? Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, that's I, the I say no, I remember it. Yeah, you can touch somebody like that. That's not a bad thing, but in, in touching a baby wouldn't be a bad thing. But no, I don't remember it that way. I remember him bringing them the children to bless. Right. So Luke, and this is all translations, Luke 18, 15. They're now, um, uh, it says, and they brought unto him also infants that he would touch. Yeah, them. I don't. I never remember that. That is That's wildly crazy. unfamiliar. But it's that, it's a that theme though. See, added. What's that? I think that entire verse is added. You know, that's a great question. Most of the changes as we see them are are alterations of existing verses, like "Judge not, lest you be judged." Okay, was what we all remember. Sinner and saint alike. Billions of people remember judge not lest you just go out in the street. Yeah. And do your own little quiz. You'll find out that everybody remembers that. And you're going to try to. Non-Christians quote that all the time. All the time. All right. So, so Holy of Holies, King James guy doesn't appear anywhere in your Bible. Neither does Messiah. The word Messiah doesn't appear in your New Testament. And then we have vile, corrupt, 
bizarre things that are now in our Bibles, like Isaiah 36.10. But Rabshakeh said, Hath my master sent, sent me to thy master and to, to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? What? That's Isaiah 36.10. What? Hold on, man. I'm, I'm fact-checking <laughs> you, John. Fact-checking you. Isaiah 36.10. Wait. I, Isaiah 36.10. And am I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said unto and me. you got to go in the King James on that one. Yeah, Isaiah 36.10. Hold on. I'm, I'm getting there, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Am I in the wrong Isaiah? Oh, I'm sorry. It's th Isaiah 36.12. I had the wrong uh, reference. My apologies. But Rabkaja said, how did the master send me? No. Why would they? They never would put the word piss into the Bible, would they? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in the Bible. And if you see it in the King James, I have a, uh, I have a Cambridge 1611 version, and it's in there. So it's not a modernization, dear soul. You're ex you're you're in the end days. Let me just bring you in for a landing. Yeah. I want my grandma to bring you in for a landing. Okay. The first thing you've got to admit is that you're a lot closer to the tribulation than you thought. Yes, dude. Way this is. Yes. That's the first yes. realization. All right. The second one is the pharaoh's well, magicians threw their staff down and it became a snake. And it says very specifically that they used their dark arts. So it wasn't sleight of hand. They changed the devil's crowd. We have a biblical precedent for the devil's crowd being able to change wood into a complex organism. So don't tell me that this is impossible. Okay, now, but secondly, Revelation chapter 13, we're told that God gives permission and power, power and that authority is crazy. To, the, to the Antichrist to do what? To wage war against the saints and to prevail against them. Well, John, the devil doesn't have that much power. The word is inspired. So that means it's sacrosanct. The devil couldn't scratch God's throne. Well, we we, we agree that, that the word is inspired and that God cannot lie. But he's not breaking his promise by allowing Amos 8, chapter 8, verse 11 to be fulfilled, okay? Because he told us this was going to happen. And you, dear soul, are misinterpreting the passages which promise God's will and his plan are immutable, but the words on the page are not. So you're going to have to revise your pet doctrine that the Bible can't change if you want to get on the right side of history. Because this is uh, in your Bible. Uh, you know what's in your Bible? And you tell me, this is what I'm hearing all the time. Well, John, I just want to focus on saving souls. I want to focus on the gospel. Really? Really? Because your house is on fire, and what you have now in your Bible is Jesus is telling his followers, for those those who will not allow me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in front of me. Now, does that ring a bell? I, I'm still hung okay, up. Okay, okay. There was Luke, yeah, Luke 19.27, but those my enemies, which would not that I should reign over uh, them, bring hither and slay them before me. Now, I'm telling you, I witnessed to Muslims for 10 years when I was in New York. Okay, we always went to the Muslims and had all these incredible, you know, debates. and They never told me, hey, John, what do I need your religion for? I already got jihad. 
I don't need jihad Jesus. I already got jihad with uh, Yeah, yeah. So this wasn't in my Bible. I, I wasn't that wasn't in my time stream, okay, or whatever this is, all right? I don't know what it is. But I'm telling you, if Jesus was slaying people, I would have known it. I read the yeah. Bible four hours a day for a decade. So don't tell me I don't know the Bible. Okay, bro. I'm not a I'm not a Bible theologian, but somebody go and tell me that, dude. You might just like catch one from yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? we're gonna lose like, our religion on you if you keep talking like that. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like like I got a little bit of thug in me. You know what I mean? Like I I I I ain't no softy Jesus guy, bro. I'm a gangster for Jesus. <laughs> oh my living God! All right, yeah. So no, but you know what? That's dude. I'm I'm really okay, man. You you got me, dude. Like. I thought I was bringing some thunder in my bed, but yeah, there's nothing being thrown at you that I don't think that you have seen. And that, uh, that, that eating dung and drinking piss thing, that's just, that's disgusting to me, bro. And it may, it really upsets me. And, and you're right, man. If something like this is this powerful of a delusion can fall upon mankind, this really could be the ushering in of the, of that final religion, that blasphemous religion, the whore of Babylon, like that they speak of the end time religion. Like this is happening right before our eyes right now. And like, bro, like we all need to be in deep prayer. When you guys hear this, man, drop to your knees and start praying and just start giving your life to Christ, bro. Cause this could happen. There's no, for me, there's just no way to <laughs> the word piss into the Bible. There's just you no, know how many times there's six different references to pissing against the wall and nine different references to unicorn in the Bible. Yes. Holy smokes! Yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of there's a lot of sexual, uh, graphic sexual innuendo now. So, for instance, uh, Leviticus eight thirteen, and Moses brought Aaron's sons and put coats on them and girded them with girdles and put bonnets upon them as the Lord commanded Moses. So they're playing dress up in Leviticus eight thirteen, and then um, that's a common theme uh, with girdles and bonnets. And purses. Mm. It's all this, you know, uh, LBGT themes. And then uh, Ezekiel twenty three twenty says, "There she lusted after her lovers, whose genitals were like those of donkeys, and whose emissions were those of horses." Ezekiel twenty three thirteen. Ezekiel twenty three twenty. Yeah, twenty three twenty. And what was the Le- the the Leviticus one with the bonnets? Leviticus eight thirteen. And Man, a lot of girls. My, in my, Revelation my in-laws are here. I got to show this to them. <laughs> uh, Revelation 15, 6, and the seven angels came out of the temple having seven plagues, clothed in pure white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Now, the worst one, though, is, is Luke 17, 34. Goodness. Luke 17, 34. I tell you, in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. Now, what? In one verse, it does say right after this, it says two men in a field, which is what we all remember. So in this one, yes. we, we believe that this has been added to that passage. It wasn't changed. But now you have you have what I call LBG. And you're finding these in old Bibles. You're finding this in old Bibles too. Oh, yeah. This this will be in the 1611 Cambridge. So it's, uh, it's not a modernization. It's in your grandma's Gutenberg. Just go up in the attic. You go to my website, wakeuporelse.com, go to the resources tab, and you can download uh, all these scripts and, and Bible quizzes. And you can also go to hardestbiblequiz.com, 
and there's a 20 question quiz there. You can take it on, online yourself that I set up. Bro, I got a very open-minded pastor and I'm showing all this to him when I see him. Well, you you better you better do a consult with me before you go and you're going to get beat up. <laughs> the meeting will be cut short and and he'll tell you that you you need medication and that you have a demon and you need to just focus on uh reading but your it, Bible. It more. says it right here. Says it, yeah. It does, my friend. And I don't remember any of this ever being said. I remember two men in the field, man. Right, so the LBGT theologians are saying, look, you can be gay and go to heaven because these two guys are in bed together and then one of them got raptured. And then yeah, huge, yep. in, in the book of Job, there's a curse. It says, if you're disobedient, and it says, uh, and let men grind on your wife. So grinding is a euphemism for sex. And yes. so here you have two women, she'll be grinding together. So don't, see, we're, we point this out and then they, oh, you have a dirty mind. No, no. no. LBGT community is all over this. And, and again, we, we used to go down to, the, we, I helped plant a church in, uh, uh, what's it called? The part of New York where the, all the gay people are. And this never came up. Are you kidding me? They, oh, they, Hell's they, Kitchen? Not is it not Hell's Kitchen? Not Hell's. That's where I was. I was in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, uh, no, uh, I can't remember. Little, yeah. Anyways, I listen to this. One. This one is so mind blowing to me because first of all, it's mean, it's wildly unfamiliar. This is black magic at its highest. Yeah. Wow. But this one is also a biblical paradox. So, so you have ones that are wildly unfamiliar, like Judge not lest you be judged. It doesn't really change the meaning of it. You know, judge not that ye be not judged is what it's always been. Okay, so it doesn't, it's not gross or, or wicked, but it has changed, right? This one is both wildly unfamiliar and wicked. Okay, you ready? Isaiah chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. The Lord said to me, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Mahar Shalhal Hash Baz. So I called in Uriah the priest and Zechariah, son of Jebekiah, as reliable witness, witnesses for me. I'm sorry. I got I to gotta stop myself from laughing when I'm about to read. It's because that is, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just so unbelievable. Then I made love to the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, name him Mahar Shalhal Hashbaz. Oh yeah, Isaiah knocked up the prophets. <laughs> hey, what? So Isaiah eight one. Uh, yeah, Isaiah eight one. Okay, so so now you gotta I, understand. There might be people listening to me who who have a biblical background, and they might say, "Oh, I remember that," and that's actually possible in this phenomenon, where the there's a there's a consensus in the community. We'll use lion and the lamb as an example. Pretty much everybody remembers lion, not wolf. However. There was one lady in one of my live streams who was a devout believer and went to Bible school 20 years ago. And she was like, John, I'm with you on all this, but I'm here to tell you I was in Bible school and there was a huge debate about the wolf being in the Bible in, in Isaiah 11, 6. So she had a vivid memory of yes. wolf 20 years ago. Okay, so here's, we've now confirmed this is true. We call those, uh, uh, um, reality bubbles or time tributaries okay so you you've got uh, all of us going down the river on this barge and, and sharing all of the same we call them altered memories they're not false memories they're altered right 
However, she jumps off the barge and she goes on this little tributary for a minute and then she gets back on. All right. So in that scenario, we're both right. Okay. Because the reality that I was in, it was lion 20 years ago. The reality that she was in, it was wolf. But on the uh, judge, not lest you be judged, it was, we're on the same timeline. Okay. Now, could she have a, an implanted thought? That is another possibility, but we don't know. So you, we're not really dogmatic about what is and isn't a Bible change to a large degree. Many of the uh, ones that I've feared tonight are so obviously glaringly unfamiliar uh, that most people are shocked, except pastors. They're not shocked. Uh, they defend these things. And no. that's why it's so ridiculous and evil when you tell me, pastor, well, I just want to focus on the gospel. Okay, so you're going to go. You're going to go minister to the Muslims, right? And you're going to try to win them to the Lord. And now you've got to explain jihad, Jesus, to them. Or you're going to go minister to the homosexuals, and you've got to explain Luke seventeen thirty four, where you got two men in a bed. Or you're going to go to the Satanists and the pedophiles, and and they're they're going to say, well, Jesus has female breasts, and he's and he's touching infants, and you got female sheep being offered. So you're going to have a tough time just preaching the gospel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you now. Yeah. This is, it, it's on man. Like I knew we were in a war, but this is, this is another level dude. Like, yeah, this stuff didn't exist. Like I don't remember any of this stuff existing. And, and like you said, I, I just saw a, a, a church service, man. And it, oh, the internet is so evil, man. But uh, yeah, it was something that somebody posted and it was a LGBTQ church, man. And they were doing these incantations and everybody's doing these chants. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. bro, there, yeah, there's some powerful sorcery on our spirits, our souls, and our mind. And we better be putting on the real Holy Spirit in prayer because this is powerful. This is powerful. And like you said, they can take it and twist it. And I, now, I see, I, now I see what you're saying. The enemy has infiltrated the camp and there's a full on onslaught and these are twisting and perversions that uh yeah and when we stand up to them and we we claim they they're gonna use these alterations that i have in my book they're gonna say you're wrong and we're right and yeah and uh, i wouldn't be surprised if this uh like imagine if the cross is turned upside down man like what yeah that's it, that's it's crazy gone. dude i mean i'm not winning I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alex. What'd you say? How do we rectify this? How do we Mandela affect it back to normality? Okay, pray, well, that's pray, a great pray. question. Assuming we can't, the the I've do, I've done a number of talks on this. What is the correct response? To this well, I can tell you what it isn't. It isn't burying your head in the sand and pretending it's not happening. Because if you do that, church leader, you abdicate your authority as a pastor and you become a hireling, and worse. You become a co-conspirator with Slewfoot, a guest yeah. with people, and you're going to stand before God, and here's the devil over on your right, and he's going to say, this one, this one joined in league with me, God, to fool and to deceive his followers. He knew the Bible was changing, but he was like the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was asked to give all his wealth away, and he went away sad for he had great riches. He was more concerned with his reputation, God, and so he became a co-conspirator with me. That's going to be a tough sale for you after that, bro. Oh, my you're, God! You're looking in your Bible, and in Jeremiah is now Jeremy. Noah is now Noe. Asher is now Asser. 
Hosea is now Osi. Nebuchadnezzar is now Nebuchadrezzar. Uh, what? Shem is Sem. Gideon is Gedeon. Nephali is Nephilim. John the Baptist is now called John Baptist. Elijah is called Elias in the New Testament. Timothy is na- called Timotheus. Manasseh is referred to as Manasses. Ephraim is Joseph. Zebulon is Zebulon. And my favorite, Boaz is Booz. Okay, now I'm going to tell you how ridiculous the the explanation is on this one. We're being asked to believe that the reason that these wildly unfamiliar names that we don't remember are in our New Testaments is because this is how it's transliterated from the original language, John. Okay, well, if that's true, why does the same New Testament, I'm going from memory, but I believe it's Matthew 24, says, Noe, and Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, I believe, says Noah. Same Bible, same New Testament, and it's transliterated two different ways. And I asked Dr. Paul Grafton Holt, my theological friend who wrote 12 academic books on the Bible, because uh, somebody responded, well, the reason it's Noe in the ma- in the gospel, John, is that's how they talk. Is because that gospel was written to the Hebrews, <laughs> and and then so I asked Paul. He said, he said that is the most ridiculous exegesis of the Bible I've ever heard. He said it's ridiculous. It would be the same if it's transliterating it from the original. It's the same original in both the gospel and Second Peter. So it would be Noe in both, and it isn't. Do you know why it isn't, dear soul? Because the Bible is being supernaturally changed to fulfill end times prophecy. Wow. Dude. Wow, dude. Yeah. I'm at a loss for words. So, yeah. yeah it, I don't even know where to go from this. Like, I almost just feel the need to just start praying, man. Well, <laughs> and that's honestly what we need to do. You know, I agree. like this is. This is beyond comprehension, and uh, yeah, I didn't see this one coming. I, I, I hadn't like in the ones that you did with George, and I listened to some of the ones you did with Occultic Conspiracy. Uh, I didn't catch some of these ones. These ones that you just showed us right now, yeah, man, I'm uh, I really have to reevaluate things. And I, 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 I there was a time I was thinking maybe this this Mandela effect thing is a lot bigger than than I've ever could fathom. And by golly, let me tell you, it really is. Like, uh, if I went balls to the wall on flat earth, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to have to pray to God for wisdom <laughs> and patience because I'm, I'm, I'm going to want to start screaming like to people like, no, go look at this. Like, tell me, a- answer me. What is this? Like, the what Lord, do you make of this? The Lord's yeah. prayer alone just blew my mind. Like, I refuse to say the Lord's prayer wrong. Yeah. Like, Say that again. Say what you just said. You refuse to say it wrong. What do you mean? I I refuse to say the Lord's Prayer incorrectly. Whatever is in this book right now is not what I grew up with. I know that. I know the Lord's Prayer by heart. Anybody that I would go up to on the street and ask them if they know the Lord's Prayer, they would say it right, wouldn't they? Or are they Mandela affected? Well, well, it's one thing to think that, dude. Like If it was like the digital form of the, the Bible that I downloaded in my phone or... But it's literally this leather bag Bible that I'm holding in my hand. Yep. Like I, I, I was looking at all those ones that you were just saying. I was like, no way it says that. And I go and I look at it in here. And by golly, it says it. 
And then, you know, and then you're telling me that I can go get my grandpa's Bible from 1920 and, uh, you know, that stone together and it's going to say these things too. Like, there's no way that, 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 that's supernatural. It is, it is. It's not a modernization. It's in the 1611 Cambridge. All the things I just read are in the 1611 Cambridge. So it's not a modernization. You understand, those of you that are listening, it is not a modernization. You haven't done your research if you say that, nor are we confusing this with other translations because those were either King James or they were in all translations. So we're not confused. We're not befuddled. We've done our homework. Okay, The people that hurl insults at me have rarely lifted a finger to go over to my YouTube channel, which is Wake Up or Else, and watch the 94 videos that I've created over the last seven years. They haven't spent 10 minutes researching, not what the debunkers are saying, our research, like the stuff I just unloaded on, okay? And and they just are trigger happy, and they're, they're rarely... Oh, man. To assign us to the seventh circle of hell. Hold on. I, my screens just went black. Are we still on? Yeah, we're still on. Yeah, we're still here. You just froze for like maybe three seconds. We okay. we didn't catch what you said, but I think we got the gist of what um, you're saying. Or else. Uh, find your YouTube channel. Okay, so. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. I was going to say, I'm trying to find your YouTube channel to put in the notes. It's not easy to find. Oh, yeah. It's, it's YouTube.com forward slash the little at sign and then wake up or else that's the direct link okay okay while you're doing that man can we pause because i lost you the screen i want to be able to see you guys i gotta reboot my computer uh yeah you're good all right so okay so we had a little glitch in the matrix there because some real stuff is happening and and wow just mind blown right now and i don't even know where to go from this i just want to tell the listeners man like uh i am convinced that there's some really really serious funny business going on there's some very serious high level black magic being put on our we're being attacked this is the spiritual onslaught and you're being attacked and you better gird up like and i'm speaking to myself at the same time man like grabbed your loved ones and start like this is strange man like i thought we're in the end times already like this pretty much confirms to me, like we're my, we're smack dab in the middle of it, dude. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people, when they come to the realization, you know, based on what I've shared, that this really is undeniable, they go into tailspin for a couple of weeks. Some people are for a month, because if you if you look up what the definition of a religion is it's a group of people that has a book with a body of principles or you know centered around so this is like the epicenter of our life this book and it's our connection to god and it's very destabilizing but what i can i can encourage you is that for all of us thousands and tens of thousands of believers this has been the greatest thing for our relationship with god that's ever happened because we yeah, give us some hope here. Yeah, we didn't realize that we had gotten into a kind of a pharisaical uh, idolatry with the Bible, in that wow, it's a lot easier to go to another Bible study and read another bunch of Bible chapters than deal with your sin and allow the dealings of God in your heart. And so we began to substitute 
you know, we're over here looking at stuff on the internet and touching ourselves, or we're snorting, or we're cursing, or we're stealing. And and but we're over here regularly attending the Bible study, and we're like, hey, God knows I'm in the game, and I'm you know, forget about that stuff because I'm I'm professing Christian. See, and then we've sort of had problems, you know, you have depression and, you know, you have lust and you have uh, anger outbursts. And so you start going to the Bible like a self-help book to try to fix your problems. But it was never meant to be a self-help book. It's a, it's a doorway to him. It's a prayer book. And, and so we've lost our way and, and our first love, and we've replaced a relationship. Look at the Pharisees. Yeah. The perfect example. The God, God was right in front of them, and they couldn't recognize him, right? So what we're seeing now, in our opinion, is the reverse of what happened with Jesus and the Pharisees, is they didn't recognize God when he was right in front of them, and now God's voice is slowly being removed, and the voice of the stranger is percolating up, and the church isn't even recognizing that he's leaving. Ooh. Oh, dude. Right. So I gotta, I gotta ask you. Your, so uh, are you a person that believes in in like uh, living living bodies being raptured? Like we yeah. can be raptured in the pla- yeah, yeah. Me too. Yes, me too. I'm a fundamentalist, conservative, orthodox Bible believer. I believe Jesus. You know, God made Adam out of the dirt. I believe the axe head floated. Philip was translated down the road. The Red Sea parted. I'm all in. Okay. And and so I, I'm with you because I believe in the rapture too. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, I pray that me and my loved ones and my family are, are raptured as well. But dude, I think of this upcoming alien event that they're setting up. That is the great setup, right? They are... They got their game plan all set. They're at war. They do. They're they're steps ahead of the church right now, and and we're and, and and we got guys on the bench trying to say we see something happening on that field, coach. You better make an adjustment in the game. And the coach is like, Shh, I got this. I know I'm the coach. Mm-hmm. And the, the players are on the bench like, no, coach. We see something <laughs> happening. And the coach is like, I'm not listening to you. But if they would just listen to them and they would call the play that the people are seeing, they could win the game. But the the, the coach is over there like hushing them. And that's what's happening now. The pastors are hushing these people in their congregations that are finding this out, and they're being thrown out of their churches. And, and wow, and all these other ones are leading them into the snare. Yep. And that's that's scary. And man, I I think that it's going to happen soon. I I you know I don't know what's going on now. I'm in a tailspin right now. But I'll tell you what, uh, that's what's going to happen if they play this card. If the rapture happens, the enemy will play that alien card and be like, yep, they got abducted by aliens, yep. you know, it's, and, and all it's these coming. people, and then all these people will have to live in the hardest time ever where this book is no longer the book that we had at one time. And, and it's because we have fallen so far away from the relationship. God, all he wanted ever with us was just a genuine relationship, genuine love and genuine worship. And we made it into an idol and and just something that we occasionally do. And God wanted us to live in harmony with him. And we're just in complete disarray. And this is just like, yeah, I see it. Now I see the world. 
this is a huge revelation that happened to me in live time. And like, I, I, I gotta say, thank you for showing me this. It's hard, but I would rather know the truth than, cause I, I, I think this is something, this is, this is something, man. I'm sorry. I came into this as a complete skeptic, but I'm, this is something, bro. It's this pretty hard to deny. I mean, it, it goes against what we've all been told from the front of the room. I hold in my hand the eternal, unchanging word of God. Well, unfortunately, I have to disagree. What you hold in your hand is the scriptures, which contains the eternal, unchanging word of God. Right? So think about this. Term, the, the church has been sloppy with their doctrine, basically. Okay, so you've got... You've got uh, God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. Now, I don't think you can get any clearer an example of the Word of God. The yes. Ten Commandments. It's like from his mouth to my ears. That's what the Jewish ladies always say, right? All right, but then you have like the book of Genesis, which is a narration. In the beginning was, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, okay? So we read Genesis. It's a narration. We assume it was written by Moses. But we immediately embrace it as the words of God. It's, in, it's all scriptures inspired by God. So we see it for what it is. Then you have the prophet Isaiah saying, and, this, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and then you, whatever comes after that is the word of God. Okay? Now, you can go down the linear path to things which are not the Word of God, even though it's in the Bible, like Paul saying, hey, when you go to Troas, bring my cloak, okay? Hey, when you go over to Troas, don't forget to bring my jacket. Now, the Bible says all Scripture is inspired by God, and I imagine you could preach a message on, hey, bring my jacket, but let's be honest, I don't think you could hold bring my jacket <laughs> at the same level of authority as, you know, the Ten Commandments, right? They're not the same thing. So at some point, we have to, like, examine this book uh, more accurately now. We're, this has forced us to re-examine a lot of things about the Bible. What it's forcing me to do is re-examine myself right now and yeah. openly confess to you guys, like, Lord, I repent for my lustfulness, I repent for my drunkenness, I repent for my disobedience, and I repent yeah. for for being uh, striking out. I mean, I'm not like striking out in anger at my kids, but you know, you get frustrated with your kids and you say things you shouldn't say, or, you know, my dog tore up my garden and I went nuts, you know what I mean? Because I've put so much work into it and cuss words are flying out of my mouth and and uh I, like i'm evaluating myself right now because man i feel like i gotta get clean and i gotta get ready for this man the marriage of the of the marriage is gonna happen bro it's yeah. it's gonna happen man and, and he's not, he, he wants his bright spotless man that's right and oh man. let's always remember the thief on the cross the thief because i had a pastor tell me john if what you're saying is true how will we have faith to believe Christ for salvation. Well, how did the thief on the cross have faith for salvation? All he said to Jesus, he perceived glory on this man. He perceived this man's aura or whatever, that he didn't belong there and that he was very different. And he even knew he was God because he said, when you go into your kingdom. So he had like revelation who Jesus was, right? And he goes, when you go into your, remember me when you go into your kingdom. 
I guess it's because what Jesus was saying, you know, Jesus was claiming to be the king and all that talk. So that's how he, you know, he believed the gospel, right? And mm-hmm. not, he didn't have a lot of the, the Roman road and, you know, Romans 10, 10 or whatever it is. You know, if you uh, believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth, thou shall be saved. Okay, that's as close as you're going to get to a formula of how to get saved. However, this guy didn't know nothing, right? And he goes, remember me. Boom. Boom. That was Amen, it. brother. Amen, brother. No Bible, nothing, just heart to heart. That's where Amen. the Lord has taken us. Now, let me make a disclaimer, very clear. I am not in any way uh, advocating that we depart from the Bible. I've, I'm trying to canonize our statement of faith, and I've, I've tried to put labels on our response to this. One of them I call the doctrine of adhesion versus the doctrine of abandonment. Okay, you're going to have to deal with this somehow. And I had a guy from Australia tell me, he said, John, I've been in the Word for 40 years like you. He said, I don't read the Bible anymore because I don't want to contaminate what I remember. And I said, you know what? I said, I can't argue with that. Okay? But then I had people, they say, they say like, well, the well's poison, and we shouldn't drink from the poison well. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, if I don't have the water from the well, I'm going to die of thirst. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to get a water filter. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to hold on because you go read Psalms 23. It still reads like a butte. Okay. It's all there. And for the most part, the scriptures are intact and you can still glean the sap for your bones. Okay. You can still be convicted of your sin. You can still get direction and words from the Lord. It's all there, but it's a minefield. And for those of us who know this is happening, it's become very difficult for us to just read the word like we used to. We can't. Okay. We can't do it. We read it, but we are different in our interaction with the Bible. And that's not our fault, okay? We're just responding to God's universe. You know, I tell God, I God, you know, like, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but if I was running the universe, I think I might do it differently, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm going to no. go with you. I'm going to go with you. All right, I'm going to go, Lord, uh, what I pray every day is I say, um, I accept your terms. That's what I tell God. I accept your terms because I don't have the answers to this. See, this is the other thing I want to mention. This is a common statement that I get. God would not allow this. Really? You got chapter and verse on that? Because I definitely have chapter and verse that he absolutely would allow. He He told Satan about Job. All that he has is in your hands. Twice. Well, that's just an individual example. So, what's your point? I can't draw from that. I can't draw from that as a principle of how God operates. Don't be so theological, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Romans, Revelation 13 tells us he's going to allow, I mean, look at the tribulation. He's going to allow all of us to get our heads chopped off. And then the devil's going to get around, run around, wild in the open for three and a half years. What are you talking about? God wouldn't allow it. Because are you saying that because it's a hard thing that that God wouldn't allow it? That's human sentiment, dear soul. That's like Amen. Peter Peter telling Jesus, you're not going to the cross. What are you talking about? And Jesus was like, <laughs> get behind me, Satan. You don't, yep. you don't have the mind of God. You have the mind of man. So the idea that this is such a terrible, disruptive thing. No, judgment 
first of all, is supposed to be terrible. And secondly, it's a redemptive judgment, which means God is going to do it out of his mercy to you, you Baptist pastor. And he's going to draw you away from this, this vile, pharisaical, militant, knuckle-dragging religion you're operating in. And he's going to deliver you from that. And you may lose your church and have to go sell insurance. But what's going to happen is you're going to have a love affair with the Son of God. And I'm not saying, you know, like, I, I sat under David Wilkerson for a decade. I mean, he's a holiness preacher. So don't try to put me in your little box that I'm a, I'm a compromiser and I'm not in a local church. I'm running a church. I have 5,123 subscribers and 150 new ones a month. They're leaving your church, sir, and they're coming to my church because you are stumbling over these passages. We've all watched this Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Here's the one that happened to me that I remember. I'm in a King James-only church, so I know the pastor's got a KGB Bible on his pulpit, and I got one on my lap, and he's preaching out of 1 Corinthians 13, and he's talking about faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's what's coming out of his mouth. And I'm looking at the page, and it says faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and charity on the page, faith, hope, and love out of his mouth. Now, at that point, I was still married, so I couldn't, I couldn't raise my hand and say, excuse me, because I knew about the Mandela effect then, and I knew what was happening. And I had actually already talked to him twice at that point. But if I said anything, my wife would have gone ballistic because she doesn't want any talk about anything crazy, right? So I'm sitting there in church watching the pastor misquote the Bible because it's changed. And they, they, they do this over and over and over. And so this is why people are leaving the church to go find Jesus, uh, because because the pastors are, are blindness to us is more of a phenomenon than the phenomenon itself. Amen. And you know what? I'm so glad that you've made the reference to the thief on the cross, but because I think that's a powerful example that uh, we need to know that His grace and mercy is way beyond our comprehension. And that's really what makes him beautiful enough to for us to to worship him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. Yes. Sir. And I think of the 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 three headed dogma, and I think of the three uh, states that God gave us: right, mind, body, and soul. And and like He wants all of us or none of us, right? Like you, it says you're either you're either hot and on fire, or you're lukewarm, and I spit you out. And he's coming back for those that are on fire. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So that's what it's about, bro. And like, I, I just want to say, Lord, I am on, I may not be perfect, but I'm on fire for you. <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah, I, mean, the, I did have a question for you, John, about, um, do you think that the changes will become, will, will become bigger and bigger with the male yes. in it's, the Bible? Uh, yeah, I, I see them as accelerating. Yes. Okay, so this is just like, we're not at the beginning, we're kind of in the middle somewhere. and things. We're still getting new ones, like the one where Jesus spits in a guy's face now to heal him. I mean, technically he spits in his eye, but that's still pretty rude. It's not, yeah. it's not really the right word, it's shocking. It's crude, yeah, yeah. Well, and so, it, and that's done. the theme, the themes that we see, like Jesus is referred to as a holy thing, and uh, there's 
all of these. I don't. What culture in the world could you go up to somebody and spit in their face? That's the ultimate right. disrespect, right? right? Yeah. My point is that's a new change. That that one just appeared in our timeline, like within the last couple of weeks. That's a brand new one. We never saw that one before. So we in our community, you know, periodically people will point out a change and we're like, no way. We're still being blown away uh, regularly with changes that are coming up that weren't there before. As much as well as we could know, expect. I mean, I only read uh, a small portion of the things that I have too. There's many more than yeah. like, no, you'll be like, no way. Well, you know what? I am going to bring this up <laughs> by any means. I'm going to find a way to do it. I'm going to pray about it, but I am going to, bring this up to my pastor and I'm going to show him some of these scriptures and see what he says, because I mean, I, I don't know, man, if this, if this event, which I think is really, I'm because you showed us some pretty strong evidence and well, let and, me, uh, you know, let me coach, I will, let me, yeah. let me, while we're on this topic, because other people are doing this too. And I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty, 99% that the meeting will not go well. If you, if you base it on the hope that, that you do a fill-in-the-blanks quiz, and I call it the shock and awe approach. Okay, so the mindset is surely if I give them enough examples, they'll have the reaction that you just had, okay? Yeah. But the pastors have a, a, a cement, their heads are encased in stone. They're bewitched. And it's because of the rich young ruler principle. They, wow. They're always the guy that has the answer. So it's pride. And, and financial security is at stake. They don't want to be persecuted. Look, I'm persecuted because I'm a conspiracy theorist. I wrote a book for, for the love of heaven called <laughs> The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide, right? Some so when you name yourself as a conspiracy theorist, which what they put the Mandela effect into the same bailiwick as flat earth and the moon landing's fake Mandela effect. It's all the same to them. Uh, they're certainly not going to bite down on it. So what you're going to have to do if you want to have any hope of success is you've got to deal with the memory question first. Because in every case that I did it, 30 times personally, and I've heard 100 other testimonies, you can stump him 10 out of 10, and he will tell you, well, Raul, you can't trust the human memory. I don't know the whole Bible. That's what they'll tell you. And you'll walk away shaking your head with your nerve endings hanging out, and you'll, be, you'll agree to disagree, and now you'll be estranged because now he thinks you've gone off into a ditch. And it's gonna it's gonna not go well. So you really have to front run the disempowering core beliefs first. And personally, I don't talk to them until I've dealt with the rich young ruler principle either. This is what I tell them. I say, look, what I'm gonna share with you is gonna be very difficult for you to accept because it's gonna go against a long held doctrine that the Bible can't change. Now, if what you believe is wrong, would you want to know it? Yes. And if what I tell you turns out to be true, are you willing to embrace it and probably lose your your ministry and possibly your marriage? Are you willing to lose everything to embrace the truth? Because if you're not, then I'm not going to waste your time. You have that conversation, and then you go through those examples. Now, on my website, when you go to the resources tab, the very first two scripts are the ones you want to download for sure. Because the first one is this is the questions that you ask him, where you're going to teach him that he's disingenuous about the, the human memory, because that's going to be his go-to. The reason he's going to have a catastrophic memory failure, right? The pilot, the doctor, and the pastor. 
Pilot gets 10 right, doctor gets 10 right, pastor gets 10 wrong? Uh, what? Oh, well, why is it that the pilot doesn't get 10 wrong? Because after all, the human memory is so unreliable. So you got to paint him into a corner first. I get it. They can't run away down this path because they're going to go there. That's their only escape. So once you ask them, here's a great one. Pastor, if you went to your aging parent, okay, and they're not on drugs or anything, and they didn't recognize you, what conclusion would you draw? That they have Alzheimer's. Now, why would you answer that? Why wouldn't you say, oh, they're just misremembering? Because my mom, I don't know. Like, Okay, well, that's a good observation, but go deeper. Why does her being your mom make you believe that if she doesn't recognize you, she has Alzheimer's? What is it about your mom that makes you believe she would have Alzheimer's if she doesn't recognize you? Because that's how close we are, and she hasn't forgotten me up to this point. And every time I embrace her, she knows my name, and uh, and we embrace this way. So it would be out of the norm for her to have that reaction. Okay, so what, what I hear you saying, tell me if I'm correct, is that you believe that your mom's memory is so reliable when it comes to vivid memories, like recognizing your face, yeah. you believe you believe the only explanation if she can't recognize you, is that she's got mental illness. Yeah, that if, yeah, that would be okay. what I would So think. what that question proves to the pastor is that his uh, evaluation of the human memory <clears throat> is extremely high. And now, when you go and you give him the Bible quiz questions, he's going to go there. He's going to say, well, you know, I'm confusing it with this platter's peanut guy thing, you know, in the, in the, in the telephone game thing. And you go, wait a minute. You told me before about the mom thing that the human memory was very reliable. So you can't have it both ways. You can't say the human memory is extremely reliable and then tell me it's unreliable. I think you're being disingenuous. Busted. That's okay. the corner you got to paint them into first. And now we can see if they're willing to be honest and have integrity. And you, we're going to call out the church on this issue. The church is a, a bunch of liars when it comes to this. They are lying and in fact, we have a testimony firsthand from a, a Baptist youth pastor that went to a convention of pastors, and they called all the pastors into the room, into a, into a separate room, and they told them, the Bible's changing, and we don't want you to tell anybody. I've had personally had pastors tell me, I know the Bible's changing, but I'm not telling them because I don't want them to backslide. So, yeah. So I, is that true, though? Do you know that's going to happen? Because I didn't backslide. And neither is hundreds of thousands of other people that are believers that know that it's happening. So don't be smarter than God, okay? Don't be presuming that they're going to backslide when, in fact, it'll be the greatest thing to happen to, especially the new Christian. The new Christian is going to look at this and they're going to be like, whoa, this supernatural thing's real, isn't it? I'm fired up. So, yeah. you know, it's just serious. And it does. And if the Bible wasn't real, then why is this the only, like, is this happening in the Baha Gavita? Is this happening in the Quran? Is this happening? Yes. No, it's happening in the Quran. Well, it's happening in pop culture. Yeah. Yep. It's happening to the, it's happening to the original uh, underlying language. It's happening. Like if you go all the way back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says wolf in Isaiah 11, six in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Wow. So, uh, I will say one thing, like the place where I go to church and the reason why I go to this church, cause it's a tiny little church in the East mountains. <clears throat> and this guy 
has openly said, I don't care about my 501c3. I'll get rid of it. He's he's left. Uh, he's had churches that he went to go pastor and people uh, left because he wouldn't sway on some of his teachings and they, they wanted him to like make them feel good. And he was going to preach the word and get and, and, and preach obedience. And he's he's pretty uh, open minded. He knows about my podcast. He's never once judged me and said, hey, you need to not talk about this. But he hasn't been brave enough to go up on the pulp behind the pulpit and preach about the flat earth and the Bible or anything. But he is pretty open minded. And 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 uh, I know he he already said, like, money, the money thing, I don't think it means much to him, really, honestly. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I lost everything. My wife asked me to leave after 24 years of marriage. You know? Yeah, he's I, never been married and doesn't have kids either, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, that doesn't have uh, to happen, but, you know, in my case, I actually deleted all the content on my channel twice to try to save my marriage, but then I was talking to God, and I was like, he was like, show me Peter. Peter gets, Peter was married, right? Yeah, I love that fisherman. I heard you talk about that. That's an amazing. Yeah, go ahead and say it here. Right. So, so uh, Peter's a fisherman. He's married, <clears throat> and here comes Jesus. Says ten words: "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." And the next verse says, "And he immediately dropped his nets and followed him." So imagine this is what the Lord showed me. So he goes back to his wife. He says, "Honey, I I found the Messiah," and he said, "Follow him." So I'm going to follow him. And she's like, you're going to follow him. You're a fisherman. You're How are we going to provide for ourselves? And your father was a fisherman and your grandfather was a fisherman. Now imagine, imagine the destiny if Peter said, yes, dear. Yeah, yes, dear. We wouldn't have Peter the apostle. So uh, I'm not saying I'm, like on, I'm a, on par with an apostle. I'm just saying, you know, some men are born to greatness. Others have a thrust upon them. Okay, and I'm out here, I'm undocumented. God has always used people, not with ability, but availability. And so now that my wife, who I love dearly, I would go back today. I didn't leave her. She asked me to leave. I would go back, at, um, you know, I'm alone. So I got, I'm available. So I'm like, let's do this. Let's, let's, yeah. let's bite down on this destiny because I'm pretty convinced I'm right. And the 99% of the church is either unaware of this or opposing it openly. Which is all right. So absolutely doubles down on the destiny because now, now it's even more destiny. Since my brothers and sisters who are under these hirelings, not all pastors. I don't have it out for pastors. I'm just saying, if you know this is happening and you're fighting it, then you're you're gonna you're gonna be you and I are going at it, bro. As well, I got a new thing to, I got a new thing to pray about all the time with my daily prayers now. And this is going to be top of the list now, Ooh. now that I know this is happening. So, uh, John, real quick, uh, I, I, we will have to kind of wind down, but Alex yes. was reminding me for you to touch on the flip-flopping because you didn't want to say oh, something about flip-flopping. Yeah, one last, one last observation is there were four different things that the community saw change, and then they changed back again, like six months later. Now, one of them was Flintstones, right? So Flintstones... Everything is a rock. Bedrock, Barney Rubble, Mr. Slate. Flint is a rock. Well, we woke yeah. up one morning and and it was Flintstones. There's no Oh shoot. Oh that was like that was an anchor memory. I lost again. I don't know why my computer does this. I gotta figure it out. You can still hear me, right? You're you're back, Neil. Yeah. 
All right, so just so you know, we went into the stores and it's on the lunchboxes. It's Flintstones. It's in people's houses, okay? So it's not a government psyop where, you know, the government went into everybody's house and switched out the Flintstones lunchbox with the Flintstones lunchbox. Come on. This is a yeah. phenomenon. And it's, so it's not Photoshop tricks. It's in the natural realm too. But then six months later, we wake up one morning and it's Flintstones again everywhere. Now, you're... I could blind. I can get a hundred people tomorrow to sign an affidavit saying absolutely that happened. So you'd have to call us a liar because you can't say we're misremembering when you when we watched it change back recently. As a, as a community, I was on just one person. Oh, I saw something change in my Bible. Okay, whatever, dude. No, this is the entire community watched Flintstones change, and then change back. And there was three other ones. Houston, we have a problem, became Houston, we've had a problem. And then it switched back again, and that's what it is now. Tidy Cats became Tidy Cat. And I remember being in a pet store to check it out, and it was Tidy Cat. And I asked the guy that worked there, hey, did they change the name on this? Uh, he hadn't even noticed. Oh, yeah, it looks like they must have changed their brand, blah, blah, blah. Well, six months later, it was Tidy Cats again everywhere. And then the other one was uh, Chuck E. Cheese became Chuck E. Cheeses. And then yeah. a year later, it became Chuck E. Cheese again, which is what it is now. I just wanted to ask if you'd seen the videos. Uh, I've seen a few people post. There's one video of a guy who has the Berenstein Bears book, and then he walks past a certain threshold in his house, and the letters change as he walks through the threshold of the doorway. That tripped me out. And then there's another one of a of a female reporter interviewing a baseball player. And this guy pulls out his BlackBerry phone with the camera on. And it, ha it's, it has to be this one certain phone for some reason. And he sh and he puts the, the video over on the on the TV. And the lady changes from a white lady with blonde hair to a black lady. And then he puts the phone down. And then it's back to the white lady again. Well, like, it's the other way. It, it was a white lady oh, yeah. in everybody's memory, and now it's a black lady. I remembered a white lady, too. Blonde hair. Oh, for sure. When yeah. I saw the black lady, I was like, no way. That's not what it was. Yeah, so there's some high strangeness. And mm -hmm. I thought it was only happening in New Mexico, but it's happening worldwide, baby. Even it's in happening Canada. worldwide. Yeah. Oh. Hey, man, this is... Uh, been a tremendous time man but uh yep. i would like to ask you john uh i would like could you end us in in, in prayer and Absolutely. then uh, well first just give them your website and then yep. end this in prayer and then i'll say my goodbyes we'll call awesome. it a wrap awesome. yes this was, this was you can find me at wakeuporelse.com and my youtube is uh channels wake up or else and we provide a biblical analysis of the mandela effect um, and we do live streams and we have uh, support groups. We have a, uh, a meeting every Monday at two for people with addictions. We have a Friday night hangout at 7 p.m. Eastern. Those are on free conference calls. So if you're a truther and you're alone, come on out on Fridays and just hang out. We just shoot the breeze like we're doing tonight. Just talk about whatever so you don't have to be alone. And then um, the book that I wrote is called The Conspiracy Theorist Survival Guide. It's a guidebook for persecuted truthers. And it'll help you cope with your loved ones thinking you're crazy and show you it's 300 pages. Okay. And people tell me, I, I, I have people tell me all the time, I, I, 
I don't read books, John. And he said, I couldn't put this down. I read it in two days because it's your life. It's everything yeah. is you. It's you, man. <laughs> I don't really, really validate, you know, because a lot of times we think it's us. I did. I thought I was just, you know, obsessed like my wife kept telling me. But no, you're supposed to be obsessed when you're in a burning building. That's the normal human response. They're apathetic. So the book will will help heal your mind and your emotions about this journey. There's a big component of it is the persecution. So you can get the book too now by uh, uh, on audio. So if you have an Audible account, I think you can download it for free. And but it's it's there on audio if you prefer that, and the book is uh, available on Amazon, or you can get it from my website. Amazing! And Alex will attest to how quickly he read that book. Ain't that right? Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite books, and I recommend it to everybody. And other podcasts that I go on, I I, I recommend it highly. It's um, it's actually really important for people's psyche, especially when you're, you know, alone or marginalized or slapped with this like derogatory conspiracy theory label we're truthers we're we're after the truth i i I prefer being a truther to being asleep so um that that book really helped me a lot i'm not crazy i might be mistaken but i'm not crazy (laughs) all right well father we just thank you so much for healing our hearts and our souls and you came to us, Lord, in different ways, but you came to us and you tapped us on the shoulder and you said, son, I love you. <laughs> and you're my child. <laughs> I want you to be with me. It's so, Father, we just thank you for these men that have given their life to this work. And to, I ask you to bless this podcast, Father, make it grow to hundreds of thousands. We thank you for the people that are listening tonight, Lord, that they have hearts for the truth. And I pray that I was able to deliver this message about this terrible event, God, that you've you've ordained it in your infinite wisdom, but it is not easy. We ask you for wisdom on how to share this with everyone and to help us to get the word out. And we just thank you, Lord, that you somehow were willing to lift the veil from us and we could see. And we're grateful, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ah, that hits hard. To all the firmamentalists out there, we absolutely love you. We got love for you our brother john kerwin here and we bless his ministry and remember guys now more than ever protect your dome and we'll see you next time how do we find ourselves here within these walls and chains as a teardrop lands who is there to blame
Till skies turn 